1800s. And I thought to myself, you know, I like to, what, when I preach, I like to preach about things that I relate to or things that I've experienced. And I got to tell you, I have never experienced a shipwreck of my own. The closest thing I've ever come to is one of, the, one of my favorite hobbies, which I don't get to do nearly as often as I used to, as I would like to do, is water skiing or wakeboarding or kneeboarding. You know, you're behind a boat, there's a rope attached to you, you're holding on to it, you're doing your thing. <clears throat> and one of, the, one of the things you can use is called a tube. It's a big tube and you lay on it or you sit on it and you hold on for dear life and you basically become the driver's personal kite until you fall off. They can do whatever they want, and you're sitting on a tube. You have absolutely no control over what's about to happen to you other than holding your breath and hoping you don't break your neck, okay? Now, now that's one situation, but I still remember to this very day, I, was on a, I took a bunch of youth group kids up to Lake uh, San Antonio over in Paso Robles area, and we were doing it, and I decided I wanted to learn how to single ski. Now, for those of you that don't know, skiing, it requires two skis, one on each one. Then there's wakeboarding, which is like a surfboard that you're standing on. A kneeboard, you're on your knees. And a single ski is just one real skinny ski, and you're one foot in front of the other. And it's the hardest thing to learn, the hardest thing to figure out. But once you learn it and once you figure it out, it's a lot of fun. And I still remember <coughs> getting up on this thing, and I finally got up, and I was doing so good you know, cutting in and cutting out and going over the wake and all this stuff. The, the water was perfectly level, <clears throat> and I felt like the better I did, the faster the boat driver decided he needed to go. So at some point, I think we broke the sound barrier, but I was still having a good time going back and forth, and all of a sudden, I slipped out somewhere. And have you ever, like, skipped a rock across the water, and you see it kind of skip, 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 and then eventually it stops, <clears throat> and then it sinks? I felt myself up and over and bouncing all over the place as if the water had turned to concrete. And then I felt myself stop. And I felt like 10 seconds later, I finally sank down into the water. And I remember coming up kind of dazed and confused and I looked up and this boat full of junior high guys and girls and another counselor were turning around and come back to me and I'm sitting in the water kind of regaining normalness. And I said, something doesn't feel right. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And I realized I had fallen so hard that my swim trunks were all the way down at my ankles. <laughs> and here comes this junior high group of kids coming around. If my ski had come off, that would have been very difficult to explain. So I got my, so my th but that's the closest thing I think I've ever come to as far as a shipwreck. Um, my wife and I, my whole family, uh, our favorite method of vacationing is going on a cruise. And we've, my wife and I have been on 15-something cruises. If we could only go on cruises for vacation for the rest of our life, sign me up. I'm all for that. However, never been in a shipwreck. I hope we don't, never do. But um, as I thought about it, most of us in here were not around or on the Titanic. We haven't really been in a, you know, a major boat crash, or we haven't been in a, in a cruise ship that broke down or one that really sank. But I will say this, a lot of us have gone through times in our life that we would consider a shipwreck. Maybe it's a relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's the relationship falling apart. Maybe not being able to relate to your kids. Maybe you and your kids butting heads. Maybe you and your people at work not getting along. You and your boss. You and your teachers. You and the, your close friends are, are no longer connecting the way you used to. I'm not talking about, when I say shipwreck in life, I'm not talking about 
all of a sudden you got cancer or your son died in a car accident. That's kind of an upside down, like, like spur of the moment thing. What I'm talking about shipwreck is when a ship sinks, if you've seen Titanic or you know anything about it, it doesn't happen like that. Okay, the Titanic hit the iceberg, and it was hours and hours and hours later before the boat actually went underwater. A lot of things happened between the time they hit the iceberg and the time the boat went down. A lot of things happened that got to that point. And I think a lot of us, when we go through a chaotic time in our life and we consider it a shipwreck, we just don't, how did we get from here to here? That's the kind of thing we're going to talk about today. And as I kind of went through the Bible and, and looked at... Um, a situation I could bring up that would, that would illustrate that. I came across Peter. Peter was Jesus' right-hand man. He was the one that would do anything for him. He was the one that, you know, one night he was saying, I'm here for you, I'll die for you, and just hours later, he was completely denying that he even knew the guy. So I have a clip here from the Passion of the Christ that just kind of illustrates uh, what Peter went through that night. So if we could... Uh, So as we go through our, our, our talk this morning, I want to talk about how did Peter get from I will die for you to hours later, I don't even know the man. How did he get from one extreme to the other? Because at that point in, in Peter's life, I think he probably felt what in the world just happened. How did, how did I get from here to here? So before we dive into the Bible and as we start to dissect that just a little bit, uh, would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for who you are and for how awesome you are. And we just thank you for bringing us here together this morning. We, uh, we humbly bow ourselves before you as we, begin to, as we begin to dive into your word. We know that this, this word was written 
a long time ago, but you had very specific purposes for it this morning for each one of us. So I pray that you will speak through me, and I pray that you will open the hearts and open the minds of everybody here, and that we will leave this place uh, a little bit closer to you than when we came in. Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for our time together, and we just ask that you will bless our time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we go through this, I'm going to talk about Peter, but I want you to try to figure out some way to relate it to yourself. I talked earlier about we all either have gone through or are going through, will go through some kind of a shipwreck in our life. Something that is going to slowly, one after another, add on top of each other, and at some point you're going to feel like, I'm done. I can't deal with it anymore. I don't know what to do at this point. All right? Uh, there are, and I know there's a lot of single parents that, that uh, have a tough time trying to raise their kids. I know that there are people who struggle in their marriage. You, you guys can figure it out. If you feel like you're on top of the world and none of this is going to apply to you, you have children, you have friends, you know somebody going through something, I want you to take these notes for them. Maybe you can help them out as they go through that phase of their life. Now, I did have the bulletin on the back. It does have an outline if you want to kind of go through and fill it in. If you don't want to, that's fine, too. I just, that's just kind of the, the kind of learner that I am, as I like to do that kind of thing. So uh, if you would like to do that, feel free. I'm going to start off by just kind of dissecting what we just saw on the video here, one by one, and we'll, we'll, we'll go through there. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked you <coughs> to still as you, stiff you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Peter, if you know anything about Peter, Peter was that like tough guy, like leader, like one in charge, one to throw the first punch, one to be in the, in the middle of the, of the conflict and try to put it down. Peter's fault here is that he boasted in his own strength. Now, I, I'm a sports guy, and so my boys and I, we love to watch sports together, and we love to go to Dodger games and all that kind of stuff, and you know, we always talk about, we always talk about sportsmanship, and we talk about humility, and we talk about, you know, if you were a professional athlete, what kind of an athlete would you be? Would you be one of the really cocky ones that says what they want and gets in the other guy's face, and I'm way better than you, and I'm, I'm going to win, and you're going to lose, or are you going to be one of those guys that does the best that they can, but does it with, a, with an act of humility? And we always talk about the ones, in our opinion, that get the most respect are the ones that are good, but don't act like it. Those are, those are our favorite athletes right there. They're good, but they don't rub it in other people's face. And when we're going through stuff in our lives, sometimes we... You know, if, 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 if you start, let's say a, a marriage, okay? Let's say you're struggling in your marriage. A lot of times, it's easy for us to point out what the other person is doing wrong and what we're doing right. And that's not going to get us anywhere, right? With Peter, he said, Lord, I will die for you. I'm on top of it. I've got it all together. Didn't last too long, okay? So a prevention tactic for how do we deal with this is to stay humble, It'll come right after this. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, God has a funny sense of humor because I feel like when, he, when we get on top of the world, I almost get nervous when I feel like everything's going well because I know he's got something to teach me and it's coming soon. Okay? And the more humble we are with the situations that we're going through, the better off we're going to be as we try to navigate our way through this with God's help. Second one. 
Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone still beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and the sweat was like drops of blood falling on the ground. When he, when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep and exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Peter failed to pray. Now, when we're going through rough times in our life or with our spouse or with our children or whatever it is that, that you put it in, it's, it, I find it kind of on one of two extremes. We have the ones that, pray, that, that on the one hand, we, we treat God sometimes as, a, as either a dog or we treat him as one of our children or we act like children. When I say dog, I say sometimes we treat God as if, if I had a dog crate over here and I had a dog in there and I locked him up and all I ever did to bring him out was to solve a problem for me. Ah, something scares. Okay, dog, go out there and deal with that. Go fix it. God, scare it away. Scare it away. Okay, good dog. Now get back in here. Lock it up. Ah, something else. Okay, and sometimes we treat God that way. We only ask for his help when, we, when we're in trouble. And I tell you what, with my own children, if they only talked to me when they wanted something from me, we wouldn't have quite the same relationship that we do as if we really had a strong relationship with each other, right? Now, do, am I still going to love them? Or am I still going to provide for them? Absolutely. Is our relationship going to be the same? Not really, okay? And that's how I think sometimes we treat God. If we only ask for help or we only go to God when we feel like we need it, yeah, he's going to help us. Yeah, he, he's going he's gonna to be there for us, but we want a better, we want a better relationship with that. Peter had a good relationship with Jesus. He was his right-hand guy, followed him all over the place. And yet, in the, when he needed it the most, he, he wasn't praying. And that was one more step to his spiritual collapse. So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Number three, uh, Prevention tactic. Maintain an active prayer life. Now, as I, as I was studying this last night, I had already done my notes and I figured out what I was going to underline. If I was going to rewrite this, I would have underlined active, not prayer. Because that kind of changes it, right? Maintain a prayer life, yeah, that's one thing. Maintain an active prayer life, that's another. Okay, now I've, I've, I've kind of grown up kind of always praying all the time. I, I even, when I'm driving and I just barely get that green light before it turns red, I sometimes say, God, thank you for that green light. Okay, and I, it's not to be funny, but honestly, I'm thankful he gave me that green light. I'm trying to get somewhere. Okay, but an active prayer life is a huge essential part in you getting through whatever storm or whatever shipwreck you're going through. An active prayer life, this is arguably the most important Part, the most important step in getting through that. Peter remained insensitive to, spirit, to deeper issues. Okay, now obviously he was with God, he was with Jesus, and Jesus was off, you know, under tremendous stress, knowing what was going to happen. And all he asked him to do was to pray, and Peter falls asleep. He wasn't the only one, but he was the leader, and he 
fell asleep. He remained insensitive to deeper issues. When, when my wife was born with, well, when my wife was born, when my wife gave birth to my oldest son, JC, uh, this is our first time around, and, you know, I got to tell you this. When my kids were born, it went from easy to a little bit harder to a little more difficult to, oh, my goodness, we're not going to go through this again. Like, each one got progressively worse. JC, the oldest one, his was the easiest. The epidural kicked in, and she barely felt anything. There was a point where my sister would have to say, I think she's having a contraction because she's looking at the little, you know, earthquake meter. And... And, oh, yes, you are. You need to push. Like, it was so laid back, so much so that me and my best friend and my brother-in-law, at some points, were out in the hallway having wheelchair races. I'm not kidding you. My wife was in there in labor, and the three of us were out there having wheelchair races. Why they let us do it, I have not figured out, but I would love to have that on video. But you know what? To be honest with you, as I look back at it now, I, that was kind of insensitive of me. Okay? My wife is going through labor. Yes, the epidural was working, and yes, everything was going fairly smoothly. But I really should have been by her side the entire time. I was not sensitive to what she was going through. And that's what happened with, with Peter here. And that's what I think when we're going through uh, some kind of a storm in your life and, and it's a relational problem, sometimes we don't, we don't put ourselves in their shoes. It's so easy for us to say, you know what, if we're going to fix this, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this, but you need to do that. Okay, we got to put ourselves in their shoes and say, you know what, if I were in your shoes, I understand how you would take the things that I'm doing or the things that I'm saying. And when you put yourself in that position, they now begin to think that you understand their side and things start to happen a little easier. It's a lot easier than I do this, I do this, you need to do that. And that's kind of what's going on with Peter here. Each of you should look not only to your own interest but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Keep a soft heart by bearing one another's burdens. Number four. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of that. And he touched the man's ears and healed him. And you want to guess which disciple it was that cut off the guy's ear? Peter. Peter fought only with physical weapons. Now, again, Peter's that diehard, go get him kind of guy. But again, if somebody who was side by side with Jesus... For three years, one minute cutting off a guy's ear in order to protect him, to a couple hours later, I will die for you, to a couple hours later, I don't even know the man. Get me away from him, okay? If Peter can go through something like that, certainly we can too. Peter fought only with physical weapons. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to diminish strongholds. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Our prevention tactic here, 
is to learn to use the Bible in times of conflict. Now, when we're going through a relationship issue or whatever shipwreck it is that, that you have in mind, it's so easy, like I said, to shoot the ammo, shoot the ammo, and not, not worry so much about our part and what's going on. But we need to learn how to use the Bible in all areas of conflict because you know what? There's not a, a shipwreck of life or a conflict that you can go through or a phase that you can go through that the Bible doesn't have something to say about. But when we're going through those times, sometimes the last thing we want to do is look through the Bible. We're trying to stay afloat. We're trying to keep our head above water. But you know what? If we can maintain an active prayer life and we learn how to use this thing, not to show other people, you know what? This is what the Bible says you should be doing. But more, okay, I'm struggling with this. The Bible's got to have something to say about this. And you figure out what it is. That's how we use the Bible during times of conflict. Then seeing him, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. This is Jesus they're talking about. Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed out of distance. Now, when you're going through a <clears throat> shipwreck in life, so Peter here, this is a point where he, he, when he went from, I will die for you, now he's trying to hide behind people. You saw that in the video, right? He was trying to put, a, put something over his face so nobody would know who he was. He could see Jesus over there, but he didn't really want to know anybody to know that he was, he was there. And he followed out of distance. And, and in, in everyday life, in, in your shipwreck in life, this is a lot more about standing up and doing the right thing and taking responsibility for your own part, whatever it is, okay? Very few shipwrecks in life are you completely without fault, right? Like I said, this isn't about like suddenly getting cancer or a loved one dying in a tragic accident. That's different, okay? But when you're going through a shipwreck in life, a lot of the times, some of the steps in there are our fault. And it's so hard for us to stand up and say, you know what? I'm trying to work this out with you. I understand. I've done these things. I take responsibility. I apologize for them. I would do my part to um, rectify that. I am going to go through the Bible and see what the Bible says for me about this kind of thing. I'm going to maintain an active prayer life doing your part. Again, not pointing, but pointing at yourself is what's important here. <clears throat> If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes to the Father's glory with the holy angels. So uh, at every opportunity, stand up and be counted for Christ. Now, this is a spiritual thing, obviously, uh, in the everyday shipwreck part. This is about standing up and taking responsibility. But in Peter's case, standing up and, and taking your stand next to or in front of Jesus Christ, no matter what the consequences are. Peter replied, man, I do not know what you are talking about. As he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter, and then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. That was the moment when Jesus made eye contact with Peter and said, see, I told you, you didn't pay attention to me, and here we are. It happened. That was the moment where Peter, I think, realized, oh my goodness, my boat has sunk. I'm underwater. I don't know where, how I got here or how I'm going to get out. Peter forgot Christ's warnings 
until it was too late. Now, you know what? The Bible is loaded with warnings, you know. Be careful of this. Watch out for that. Do this. Don't do that. It's loaded with that kind of stuff. And you know what? When we find ourselves in a shipwreck, sometimes we don't do anything about it until the last minute. And sometimes it's too late and it's too hard to, to fix. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they released him who warned them on earth, how much, more, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warned us from heaven? Embrace the warnings of God. It's, you know, we're very good at receiving warnings, but we're not always good at doing anything about them. We, when we're going through these shipwrecks in our life, we see the warning signs. We see what's coming if we don't do something about it. And if we don't do it, if we wait too long, sometimes it might be too late. Now, what I have here is a picture of my two youngest guys, Justin and Joey. And again, I like to brag about my own people, but Justin and Joey won the Simi Valley Junior High Pickleball Tournament. They were the champions of the Simi Valley Junior High School Pickleball. Now, the first time I ever heard about pickleball was in college. And my roommate said, I'm going to class. And I said, where are you going? And I was at Westmont College at the time. And he said, I'm going to pickleball. And I said, pickleball? What is pickleball? And he said, it's an old person sport, but it's a lot of fun. And so I said, okay, whatever. And then all of a sudden, here in Simi Valley, if you've been paying attention, over the last couple of years, somehow pickleball has become this huge, like, thing. All the junior high tennis courts are no longer tennis courts. They're pickleball courts. And basically, if you don't know anything about pickleball, it's basically ping pong, but you're standing on the table. Okay? You got a wooden paddle. You got a wooden paddle and a wiffle ball kind of thing, and you, you kind of are standing on the table playing wiffle ball. Now, there's other different things about it that make it unique. And uh, my dad and I and my two boys, we went out and played it for the first time together a couple weeks ago. And yes, my dad played tennis in college. I've never beat him at tennis. Me and him were on the same team, and our two boys beat my dad and, my dad and myself at pickleball. Now, um, when, I was, when, when, when I was watching this tournament, there was probably, I don't know, 50-something teams at this thing. And so they ended up on top. They ended up as the number one team that won the whole thing. I was watching a couple games, and they were just killing everybody. Like, you know, I think the score goes up to 11. It would be like 11 to nothing, 11 to 1, 11 to 4, 11 to 2. And every single time they won, they would go to the net, and they would shake hands with the people, you know, would talk about staying humble. Uh, they would go to the net and shake hands with the people. And then they finally got to this one game in the quarterfinals, and they were playing these two guys from Valley View, and they got killed. I mean, it was like 2 to 11, 4 to 11. I don't know what the score was. But the, uh, during that game, I remember seeing the two of them start starting to get on each other just a little bit. Like one of them would make a bad shot. Come on, come on. You got, why are you doing that? Take it, you know. They would start getting mad and snipping at each other just a little tiny bit. So they lost that game. And then they ended up winning the next one, and that put them in the semifinals, okay? And so they had like an hour break between those two games. And so they came over and sat with my wife and I, and we're just sitting there. And I pulled them, I pulled them aside, and this, this is the coach and me. I've always coached their, their baseball teams growing up. And I always look for what can I tell them to do that will improve their, their game. And in this situation, I pulled them, in, pulled them next to me, and I said, guys, look, this is one of those sports where the minute you get frustrated and the minute you start bickering with each other, things are going to go downhill. If you can maintain your composure and pick each other up, even when things aren't going well, things will happen differently. 
And they said, okay, Dad. And, you know, a lot of times when you give advice to your tournament, it's like, yeah, that was nice. And then they walk away and they don't take it. Well, I just kind of thought, I just put in my two cents. We'll see what happens. So they, they win the next game, like 11 to, some, 11 to 4 or something like that. And uh, one of the guys that they had beat turns to them and goes, do you guys play, like, on weekends all the time? Or are you, like, professionals? And they go, no, we just play at lunch. Okay? And so now they're getting ready to play in the final game. And it's the same team that they had already lost to. That's who they're playing in this next game. And right off the bat, boom, they're losing six to nothing. My boys are losing six to nothing to these guys. But they've maintained their composures. When they get a point, when they don't get a point, they high five and paddles together. They stay in positive. And all of a sudden, somebody on the other team made a bad shot. And the other kid turned to him and said, What are you doing? And I thought, That's it right there. We've got this. Okay? And from that point on, Justin and Joey were on it. They, whether it was good or bad, they were high-fiving each other. They were keeping their spirits up. And the other team went the complete different direction. If they could pull their head off and throw it across the floor, the floor they probably would have. And I thought to myself, when that game was over, when they came back and won, after being down 6 to nothing, I think they won 11 to 8, something like that. So they scored 11 and gave up only 2 or 3 in that last stretch. It was only because... Now, they, they heard the warnings that I gave them, and they did something about it. They embraced it. And I think when we hear about the warnings of God, God gives us warnings, you know, you got to do something about this, or we're having relationship problems with other people. we got to do our part, and sometimes we just put it aside, and we know it's there, but whatever, and all of a sudden it's too late. If Justin and Joey had decided to take my advice after the game was over, they wouldn't have won. Right? They had to take it to heart. And even after that point, was everything good from the beginning? No. They fell behind, six to nothing. It didn't happen right away, but they kept their composure. They listened to the warning that I gave them, and it, things turned around. So we got to embrace, not just listen to, but we have to embrace the warnings that God gives us. So that's the, that's the picture after they won the pickleball tournament in front of a giant crowd of about six people. So way to go, Justin and Joey. Okay? All right. So I am a, I'm a visual guy. Um, I, 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 my, major in my major in college was communication. And one of the things I learned in my major is there's a lot of different ways that people can take in information. You have to figure out how to relate information to somebody in a way that they will take it. And me personally, I'm a visual learner. I got to see things to go, oh, I get it. Now I understand. And so whenever I preach, I try to have some kind of a visual uh, thing. So Justin and Joey are going to help me out with my visual illustration here. Uh, these are the two pickleball champions right here. So when you guys are, when you guys are 60 or 70, you're still going to be very good at pickleball. So they're going to they're gonna help me out by bringing up my target over here. And I know I said I was going to do this on the floor, but I'm going to do this up here because I want people to see what's going on. So Justin and Joey are going to bring over my target. Now, what I'm going to, do, what I'm going to display for you right now, hey, wait, don't go anywhere. Come back here. What I'm going to display for you right now is how spiritual collapse, how, how the shipwreck does not happen, and then how the shipwreck does happen. Okay? So if you guys could uh, kind of spread that out on the ground there because, yeah. This is going to be interesting. So, how many, how many of you ever thought you'd go to church and see a water balloon thrown on the stage? You guys want to do one? Yeah, they're right down there. Go get it. 
Okay. Now, they also like to play baseball, so if they miss the target, that's not a good thing. So there's a big, giant target right here. So what I want you to do, just both of you at the same time, try to hit the bullseye and make sure you throw it hard enough that it's going to, you know, break. So go ahead. All right. Very good. Now, that is, don't go anywhere. Come back up here because I'm going to need you. That is how spiritual collapse does not happen. You're not traveling through life and then all of a sudden, boom, you're in that spot of Peter, okay? That's not how it works. The way it does work is this. If we move our target out of the way here, excuse me, Justin, I'm going to have Justin stand right there, and Joey, I'm going to have you take this water right here. Can you take that for me? All right. And my bags are over here. This is how spiritual collapse happens. Justin, can you hold that open for me? And Joey, just pour some water in there. Justin, don't let it go anywhere. This represents you. This is that water balloon that we just had. Okay? Now, when we find ourselves in a situation where we're like, how did we get to this point? Whether it's spiritual, whether it's relational, whatever it is that we, that we have decided is happening... This represents us. And like I said, we don't suddenly hit something and all of a sudden all of our spiritual strength is gone. Okay, thank you, Joe. So if you would just hold that there. That's not how it works. Let's take, let's take the Peter situation here. What are some of the things that Peter did not do right? Peter failed to pray. Peter did not remain in active prayer life. Peter remained insensitive to other issues. Peter this. Peter that. Peter that. Okay, and eventually we're going to run out of water. We're going to run out of strength. Hold it up, Justin. But the good news is that with Jesus Christ, we always, he doesn't just sit there and put his hands on there and hold, try to hold all the water in. He covers us up completely and lets us start again. But we have to do our own part in order for that to happen. That is how spiritual and relational collapse, a shipwreck, takes place. Not that way. Thank you guys for coming up here. So as you, uh, as you go through your life, as you think about the shipwrecks in your life, whatever it is you're going through, or you start to see somebody going through a tough time, maybe you just remember these things. The things that Peter did not do or that he did wrong, we got to learn from that. We have to embrace the warning signs of God. We have to maintain an active prayer life. We have to learn how to use the Bible during conflict. We have to re remain sensitive to deeper issues going on. We have to be a lot more focused about what we need to do and not what other people need to do. Will you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you so much for who you are, and we thank you for our time here together this morning. And I ask, Lord, that as we go through times in our life, we are all either have or are going to go through um, shipwrecks in our life, moments and phases of our life that don't make sense, or somehow it just kind of sneaks upon us when really it's already, it's already been building for some time. A ship doesn't go down Real fast, a lot of things have to happen in order for that to take place. And the same thing happens in our life. But you know what, Lord? We just thank you that when we feel like we're being trained, when our spiritual strength is, is diminishing, we thank you so much that your love never fails, that you always are willing to cover us back up, not just plug the hole, but to cover us back up because nothing we can do will separate us from your love. And I just pray that as we go through these times, you never promised us that life was going to be easy. You never promised us that it was just going to be, you know, smooth sailing. We're going to run through rough waters. 
And when we go through those times, if we go through them the right way, it's a learning time for us where it helps us to grow closer to those that we love. And more importantly, it helps us to grow closer to you. So we just thank you so much for your love. And we ask this in your name. Amen.